When you are starting out, you don't have the brand reputation or the budget to like hire big athletes to be your influencers. You don't have the budget to have massive influencer campaigns. So you need to stand out by talking about your product or your coaching offer or your course in a way that people will get it, want it, and buy it. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue-generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. I feel like I have to put a disclaimer before today's episode that by the end of it, you are going to want to buy all of the products that are mentioned in this episode. Today's guest is my friend and colleague, Virginia, and she is, in one word, incredible. She is such a wordsmith to the max. And Honestly, her greatest gift is making business content and sales feel simple and fun, and you're going to get it firsthand on the episode today. She'll help you put your magic, everything that you do for your clients that you feel like is intangible or can't be summarized into just a set of words or onto a sales page. She's going to teach you how to do it. She's going to show you how to put what you do into words so that people see the value and are banging down your door with their credit card in hand, ready to purchase what you have. Her copywriting skills skills are a megaphone to women who already have something to say, and she'll help you share your message with the world to skyrocket your income and your impact without hustling 24-7. Virginia is someone that I just feel like I share so many values with, and we are so aligned when it comes to how we think about business and how we think about messaging and how we think about work and where you should be putting your time and energy. And every time I chat with her, I just feel so fulfilled and so seen and so validated. And I know that you guys are going to get to experience that through this interview and this episode as well. Hello, Virginia. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. I'm great. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this conversation. You are Someone I admire so much in the online business coaching space. I am just so enthralled with everything you do and your intentionality and the way you do it. So I'm really excited anytime we get to collaborate and I cannot wait for my audience to get to know you better and love you just like I do. But I was so excited that you were down to come on the podcast today and talk about copywriting and messaging and the role that it plays in our business to sell our offers. Because as you know, I'm very passionate about it too. And I think that this is something that often gets so overlooked when it comes to the conversations around how do we sell is how do we talk about what we're doing in the first place? And as I said, you're somebody that is so freaking good at it. And I just saw in your bio that It is paying off to the tune of you are almost at a million dollars in sales for 2023. Is that correct? Is that the most updated figure? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) That is phenomenal. And I want to start with a little bit of your backstory around this because I know it and I think it's so freaking cool. But for everybody who hasn't met you yet, can you please share how did you get into this business coaching space? And more importantly, or just as importantly, were you always as good of a copywriter, I should say, as you are today? And if not, what was kind of the journey to get you to here? Yeah. So before I made like 800K and what what is it, like eight months, I was first like broke and 100K in debt for like a year and a half or two years. I had a women's e-commerce brand for activewear 
And I mean, I went to business school, I had two degrees in business, I had a degree in fashion design. So I kind of thought like, okay, this is going to be a home run, this is going to be easy. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So I launched that brand, spent all my money on producing product and had absolutely no freaking clue about how to sell, how to actually sell. Like I thought you just post to social media and people are going to buy. And To a certain degree, that was true because I had a bunch of friends who were fitness influencers and so on. And people were buying a little bit, but just like not at all in the quantities that I would have needed and not in the frequency that I would have needed to like produce more product or just like pay for the product that I already produced. So for like for over two years, I was stuck sitting on like so much unsold merchandise crying every day. I mean, it was just all of the feelings that I think so many of us can relate to. And I'm grateful for that experience because as much as it slapped me in the face, as much of a turnaround moment, it also created. So I had a friend who was married to one of the fitness influencers and he was like, okay, just show me what you're doing. And he looked at my content. He looked at my website, my product pages. And he was like, yeah, of course you're not selling. You're not selling. And I was really confused by that statement. And then he was like, you need to learn messaging. You need to learn copywriting. There is an intentionality to how you present your product the same way a photographer shifts the camera to make sure he gets your good side, right? Mm -hmm. And right now you're being a really crappy photographer. So I took a lot at my pages and I was like, well, what's wrong with hashtag vibes? (laughs) (laughs) What era was that? What year was that? If we're hashtagging vibes, that's so funny. Well, that was 2013. So, or no, 2014, 15, something like that. 2015. Mm -hmm. Early stages of Instagram. Yeah. And then on end of 2016, beginning of 2017, I had like my big turnaround moment. So I, I asked my friend, like, well, what should I do now? He's like, just quit doing whatever you're doing and like spend a month or two learning the best that you can about copywriting. And that's exactly what I did. I like took apart every sales page that I could find, every checkout page, every product page. I asked people out on LinkedIn if I could like buy them a cookie and a coffee and they would like explain to me how they wrote that sales page. Like I became wow. obsessed talking to people who were writing sales pages, copywriters. I mean, I found out every sales page designer and copywriter from brands that I admired that happened to be based in San Francisco. <laughs> And yeah, I spent like six, seven weeks studying that all, planning a launch, redoing my all of my checkout pages, sales pages, email marketing. And I think it was like three weeks that I sold every single thing that I couldn't sell for three years. Wow. So all of the merch that you had? Everything. I think it was like about 120K in sales. Oh my goodness. And, and- it pulled me out of my debt and... It just like, I I didn't even know what was happening. All of my friends had to ship product. I mean, it was just crazy. That is incredible. And honestly, it sounds even like a pretty quick shift, a pretty quick turnaround, which speaks to how powerful learning how to talk about what you do really is. I'm curious if looking back now, are you able to pinpoint what was quote unquote wrong about how you were trying to sell before? Is there anything obvious that stands out of like, well, obviously that wasn't working now that you have the knowledge? Yeah. And if I ever were to start a women's activewear brand, I I would knock that out of the park, I think. (laughs) Like, I just don't ever want to deal with production ever again. <laughs> oh my gosh. A whole different beast. Yeah. Let me preface this. I was so freaking lucky that I have a natural gift for writing and for understanding and for seeing patterns. I really truly believe that there's only three types of people that can be successful. It's either the people who are so extremely fortunate that they have that gift for writing and communication and see those patterns, people who massively invested in their copywriting skills and figured this out, or people who have the budget to hire a copywriter to do this kind of stuff for them. Mm, I don't believe that, that such- you can be successful without falling into any one of these three categories. 
That's so interesting to think about it in that way. And so true. I often think about that as well, too, because I'm somebody who really enjoys writing. And for a while, even in college, I was like, maybe I'm meant to be a writer. Maybe I should be a communications major before I settled on business. But it is such a crucial skill that you're right. You either have to spend the time to learn it yourself. Maybe you're naturally gifted. Or the answer is to hire someone and get them to do it for you because it's just that important at the end of the day. So if you go back to what old Virginia was doing, what were some of the problems or some of the things maybe that you weren't doing in your copywriting at that time that was keeping your stuff from selling? Yeah, hundred percent. So I was using a lot of like technical lingo. This is like a double faced rib knit. That's why it stays opaque. Like, just tell me that it doesn't get see-through when I'm doing a downward dog, that I could, like, go pick <laughs> my kids, and when they drop their, I don't know, their whatever, their sneakers or your keys or something, you can bend down, surrounded by other parents in your yoga pants, and, like, just still, you know, like, save face <laughs> oh and gosh. still look good. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just so many things. Like, you could wear this to work, and it wouldn't be a problem. Like, you don't have to... <laughs> risk being told off by your boss because it gets see-through you could jump around bounce around you could run to catch the subway full speed and your pan wouldn't be falling down you can jump around and your boobs aren't falling out of your sports bra (laughs) i mean first of all talk like a normal human being and focus on the things that people actually care about absolutely no one gave a damn about the fact that our fabric was special and like a really technical knit that cost a fortune to produce no one cared about the name that we gave it I mean we approached this from the perspective of like oh the brands that we're looking at like they seem so technical and they have all this fancy language but when you are starting out you don't have the brand reputation or the budget to like hire big athletes to be your influencers you don't have the budget to have massive influencer campaigns so you need to stand out by talking about your product or your coaching offer or your course in a way that people will get it want it and buy it and that is what messaging is like the words with which you talk about your offer and it is tricky I feel like I want to acknowledge this for anybody who's like how did she just pull out so many good examples that make it sound so easy is I feel like it's something you have to train your brain to learn how to do because especially when you're so in it and you're so close to what you sell it takes a second to step back into your consumer's shoes and be like well why do they actually care about this detail like you said like nobody cares what it's made out of it's such a similar thing to like nobody cares how you're packaging your course into different modules like nobody cares about that, but they want to know how it's going to work in their day-to-day life once they go through and learn about it. So I think it's so interesting and fascinating to see the transition that people have as well into learning how to talk about this because it almost is a matter of jumping back into your consumers and getting really familiar with them again when you're so used to being over here on the expert side. But it doesn't matter if you're an expert if nobody understands what you do. So I would love to hear how you then transitioned. Did that business end up closing down? Does activewear still exist under your brand? How did you make the way into this business coaching business that you have today? Well, that was around many, many, many different corners and probably established my faith into the the universe and that things are always going to work out for me. So we were at a point where the decision was either okay, either we're going to stay in the US, I'm going to reproduce and we're just like going to stay, right? But also I had just got married and we were kind of thinking about starting a family. We didn't really want to do that in the US because neither my husband's or my family is in the US. So we were also contemplating, well, do we want to move somewhere? If yes, where? And I was tired. I was tired and I was burnt out of the years of struggle before. They had been very traumatic, very emotionally wrecking. (laughs) There was a lot of like personal drama with the brand. I mean, there, there was a whole bunch of things and I was just exhausted. And with that, I also just had to acknowledge like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
And it felt really unaligned to keep going. So we decided, okay, well, I paid off my debt, which is nice. What else like, can we do? So we decided, okay, we're going to move to to Europe. Then I was in a pure identity crisis of like, well, I'm a fashion designer. There is no fashion jobs around our city. What am I possibly going to do? So I was like, okay, well, let me save other fashion designers from this mess and like teach them what I finally know about marketing and selling online. But there I had some marketing and targeting issues. And it wasn't feeling aligned because I was no longer passionate about that industry. That's that's the whole other thing. So <laughs> my coach friend, again, was like, well, why don't you just start writing copy for my wife and for me? And it was a seven-figure business. I was like, well, do you think I'm good enough? He's like, yeah, I read your stuff. Damn, like... <laughs> well you produce like <laughs> seven weeks of like study that's like really really good copy and I'll train you a little bit so, and so that's how I got started and then from there I worked with other coaches that were some of them were quite popular in the industry and and then eventually I was like okay this feels really cool I just don't like the t- trading time for money aspect here right I would love to teach something or create a course. And then it took me another three months to realize that I could just create, no, actually a whole year, I could just create a course on copywriting and content strategy. First, I thought, let me save the fashion designers. But then I was like, I'm not (laughs) feeling so aligned. What am I going to do? And then I paid a coach $1,000 for a one-on-one session so he could give me permission to just like, okay, you don't have to do fashion design just because you have the skills. Just because you You started there. Just do copywriting and content if that feels more aligned. So that's what I went with. And from day one, it was like an instant, really an instant like success stories there. I think it took me about like 80 or 90 followers to have my first client. And in the first month, it was right away at like a six or 7K month. Wow. Very, very fast. Did you say that, did I hear you correctly, that at 80 or 90 followers, you already had your first client? Mm -hmm, At $1,500. Oh my God, you guys, everyone listening, massive permission. You don't need more people. You just need to learn how to sell your stuff. (laughs) No, I mean, the sales that I make right now, I have 8,000 followers. That's not a huge audience. And I'm terribly Mm -hmm. late to send out emails. I only do that if it's an automation that can run on its own <laughs> and like oh, occasionally I'll like write a marketing email, but it's like my income comes, I'd say 90% from my organic social media. Wow. That is really interesting to hear, especially as somebody who is so passionate about writing and so good at it, I should say how often then, and forgive me if you just said this and I missed it, but how often are you sending out emails to your list? There is no frequency to this. No frequency. I, this, is, this is a cherry on top activity. I don't need to send emails. I choose sometimes to send emails if I have the capacity for it. But my <laughs> call this my barest minimum is to just just do Instagram stories if needed. Like I won't even post to my feed if I don't have time like I'll spend 30 40 minutes doing Instagram stories that's where I pitch that's where I sell that's where I just talk about my work in a way that's relevant and enticing and goal-driven and very very intentional in which lens Mm -hmm. I pick and then the price point doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's $37 or $37,000 like I just know it sells Oh, I love your perspective on this. And this is such a cool conversation to segue into. And I absolutely want to talk about your story strategy when it comes to selling. But first, I want to ask you about your feed content. I know you said you you just said you don't post every day if you don't want to. But even though you're saying 8,000 followers isn't a lot, I know you've blown up a ton on that account over the last year because I believe when you and I sat down and talked about Instagram strategy, you never had a problem with selling. That's clear. You always knew how to sell through your content. But you sat down to pick my brain about growth. I think you were at like a thousand followers then? Probably even less. I think it was more like 500 or 700 followers. And I was just, I was watching you blow up the launch babe and 
I was like, how in the world is she gaining followers like that? That's crazy. And then I think we met in a program or something, or maybe we just chatted on Instagram. I think like mutual connections. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to ask her that. Yeah. And it was a great session. And I was like, okay, you, you know your stuff. <laughs> Let's figure out why you're not growing. But I'm curious if after that session and what you've implemented, and obviously you spent time and worked and found your own work throughs as well. Did anything have to shift in your content to continue to sell the way you were selling, but also to attribute to this growth? No, I didn't have to shift anything in the way I was selling. I think the most powerful pointer that you gave me was just the fact that my content was too heavy. It was too big to, it was not consumable enough for Instagram. And I shifted that to my carousels that are like usually like one or two sentences per slide max now. It's so digestive and mm -hmm. that is what contributed a lot to, to the growth. And then I also started boosting some of them. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard a lot of people use the boost. Yeah. So just if it organically already got me a lot of followers, then I just was like, okay, well, can we just boost this one post? Because it like organically made me gain, I don't know, 50, 60 followers. Okay, that's great. Can we just like give it a little nudge? And then that would usually bring in 100 or 200 followers as well. That is a really smart way to use it. That makes me want to ask, and I'm curious, are paid ads a portion of your strategy on that account? Yeah. I mean, that's also where part of the growth, I think, was a byproduct of the paid ads. I have three self-liquidating offers that have been off most of the year <laughs> but they're like one of them is running right now or one of them is running since about two months again the reason why they were off was they worked fantastically and that's where I gained I think like 2,000 followers in the end like Q3-4 of 2022 so like I would say September till December and they were scaled, they were performing extremely well, and they gave me definitely a big push. And they contributed to audience growth, even though they were conversion ads. But then I decided, or we decided to change from Kajabi to Thinkific to Thrivecart. <laughs> and that meant <laughs> moving everything, all the like the pixels, the back end, and so on. It was just such a massive integration. We had so many issues with the German tax laws. We had, I mean, it was just so mm. much back end crap, like unnecessary crap this year that we had to deal oh with. We didn't have the capacity to run the ads of, at full force, which is really sad. I, I would have really liked to capitalize on finished assets, right. but... <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. But you guys, even in the midst of all of that, you're still approaching a million dollars for 2023, which is incredible. I would love to hear your perspective on this because something that a conversation that came forward in a recent episode with Corinda Gosling, if you're familiar with her, is the conversation around ads and why they have kind of a yucky reputation, why people are adverse to ads. And I would love to hear when you started implementing them in your strategy and why you think people are kind of adverse to them and why they get a bad name. Okay. Yes, I know Corinda. She was the one I met in a mastermind. She was the one who took my fears away. And I would even call it like ads trauma therapy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> and I absolutely love her. She has a heart of gold and she's just so competent, qualified, so good at this. And also I got the feedback that setting these self-liquidating offers, that's what they're called, these $37 micro products up, was so easy with us as clients because we just had the copywriting messaging skills. I mean, I think we built like three funnels in a matter of, I want to say eight weeks or so, which is extremely wow. fast. That is yeah. fast. That is really fast. I'm like, I'm going on like eight months now trying to get one out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm getting at the like my capacity max currently trying to work out a webinar funnel. I mean, that's a whole complicated, sophisticated sales machine. Like just not gonna lie. If you're listening to this and you're considering ads, please do not buy a product or program that will tell you you're gonna have a webinar funnel in like three months. We're six Mm. people working on this goddamn webinar funnel since like four months or something. (laughs) Like just do the math. And and we know what we're doing. But testing this crap takes forever. So yeah, it's not an easy thing to build. Passive income takes time to get to the place where it's actually passive. There's a lot of active work up front. And depending on how much time you have to devote to it, part of the reason why mine has taken the vast majority of this year is because I just don't have a lot of time to set aside to work on it. But there is testing and there are a lot of things that go into it before it actually is making money on its own. So I think it's cool to give people a little bit of the behind the scenes and the reality check on it. Because if you look at it online, sometimes it just looks like step right into this and passive income and you'll be a millionaire tomorrow. All you have to do is build a webinar funnel, but it takes a lot of time, trial and error to get it right. When you introduced these self-liquidating, low-cost digital products, was that the moment then when you brought ads into your strategy? Yeah, I did not touch any ads before. I was terribly scared. They would water down my audience. They would bring really sketchy people into my audience. And that they would, yeah, they would just be a money drain. I I was just really scared. And I didn't want to actually have to deal with them. I didn't want to manage them. I knew from e-commerce that an ad strategy is not something that you just do without background knowledge or understanding, unless you just want to burn money. But I would rather go, Mm -hmm. I don't know, fly business class or something. Right. (laughs) But it's like ads are a really powerful tool that you need to know how to use. And Mm -hmm. when I started working with Corinda, I had quite a lot of fear because I need my audience to be really boiling hot because I don't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of followers. And I was like, look, every single person that's following me is very likely going to buy for me at some point. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be tomorrow, but it could be in the next couple of years. I rarely have large portion of my audience like if they see my content like they will eventually buy or unfollow there's no other thing I'm really scared these ads are gonna bring in a lot of people that I don't know sugar daddy 947 or something right I don't want that and she was she really affirmed to me that ads amplify the magic that you already have on your feed and on your profile and I can very much confirm that I have people who will buy my $37 product and six days later she joined my 16k mastermind oh my gosh right so it's like they bring in really qualified people because you're if reels have the potential to go viral, but you can't control virality with ads, you're essentially going viral, but in a very controlled way, because you can very clearly state, show this only to women, show this only to women age 18 till 25 or 25 to 45 who have this profession and do that for a living and like to go horse riding on the weekends. Like you can be so specific like the last thing that's missing is the bra size. And it's like, you can, you can be so on point. And that's why I am still hesitant to like dabble into like more viral type of reels. The way Mm -hmm. I do reels is not geared to like reach tens of thousands or millions of views. It's very specific to sales and conversions. And recently a reel brought like 20 or 30K in in low ticket sales, which was so fun. But with ads, you can be so specific that it doesn't feel scary to say, okay, let's put $1,000 into this or $5,000 because we know we're going to get 20,000 back and the people who will follow are going to be amazing human beings who don't just want the $37 product, but all of the things. Yeah. Oh, I love that you made that distinction between virality on reels and actually pumping an ad out to a specific audience because I have had 
reels go viral that I've had to take down because of that reason where I'm like, this took on a life of its own. It's now pulling in an audience that either isn't real. It's like pulling in a bunch of bots somehow, or they're people who aren't my ideal client. And this is kind of killing my my page, my followers that I've worked so hard to curate to a community that is meant to be here. So I'm glad that you brought that up, but I cannot gloss over that you just said one reel brought in 20 to 30K in sales. Tell me about that. What was the reel and what was the strategy to get people into an offer? And what was the offer? How did we get to that much income from one reel? That is incredible. Yeah. I want to say it was one reel and one carousel that kind of worked in conjunction. And it is my standard approach to content and messaging. And the first reel was what I call opportunity content. And it was a reframe, but also like very clearly stating the opportunity of the work that I do. And I created a reel along the lines of you think dreaming about 10k month is like big dreams. Imagine having 100k month with just like 7000 followers. If your dreams like don't scare you, you got to dream bigger. So it had this like inspirational, aspirational note to it, but also it was very tangible in the way that I included a screenshot from my Thrive account with like, I think $101,000 for July, I believe it was. I think the call to action was like income breakdown in the caption because I needed people to read the caption because that's where the selling was going to happen. So I broke it down and what I was selling was my six figure stories program, which is one of my lower ticket programs that specifically focuses on mastering Instagram story selling at different levels. So the most basic level is like, I need to know what I want to post on my stories to make any sales. But I also know that mastering Instagram stories on a different level, like selling multiple offers at once, knowing how to sell super high ticket offers, knowing how to launch, how to boost my launches by using multiple offers at the same time. Those are more advanced Instagram story strategies that used to trip me up just a year ago or a year and a half ago where I'm like, I don't know how to sell multiple offers at the same time. I get confused. I get insecure. I can't hold it. And Six Figure Stories is like both for the beginner, but then also very much for the advanced person who wants to get rid of sales calls, who wants to start selling super high ticket and super low ticket and everything at once and five offers at once and so on. So like more complex things. So in the caption, I broke it down again from this opportunity lens of like, okay, well, how did I make 100K? Well, one was a 33K painful one-on-one client that I sold on my stories, no sales call needed. Then I had these low ticket offers that I sold, blah, 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 through like my stories. I basically broke it down how I sold all these different things, either without sales calls or without a feed post or just in like two days of only an Instagram story launch. And I made it very clear that your ability to tell lots of different stories around your offers on your Instagram stories is going to define how much money you make. And I very much believe that because stories is where people buy. And then there was a call to action that said something like, there is a secret summer sale happening where you can get six-figure stories at a fraction of the usual investment. If you want the link, you need to comment story selling below. And people started commenting like crazy. So then I set up something called ManyChat. ManyChat, yes. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that reel I still did manually. But later, I did this like three or four more times last month. And that was really cool because my July was selling very much high ticket offers and high touch, mm. which filled my calendar. So I set the intention for August. Like, I want to sell only my passive self-study courses. And the whole month has been insane. It was like, I have never had such a high frequency sales month. And I generated like 97K pretty much just following this content strategy, selling only like 200, $300, $500 offers. And that is incredible. That specific reel within 48 hours had generated over $10,000. 
I sold it a little bit more, like I kept doubling down. And then I think in the first week we were at $20,000. And then I sold a masterclass called 10K in 48 Hours, the full strategy with every story, every post explained what was my intention, why did I choose this and so on. And then that was really cool because that I turned into a challenge of like people using the strategy to have their own launches. And they had like really similar results if they understood how to put out opportunity content and like typically the people who have my full content strategy program that understood like how I approach content, they were able to just like take the strategy and like freaking run with it. It was really cool and really fun. Oh my gosh. Is that masterclass still available? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yes, I guess the link and the replay is there. (laughs) Yeah. I like originally only wanted to teach it in my membership, but then I was like, okay, this is so good. Like, I want this offer out there and like, I want people to have access to it. That's incredible. Yeah. So you've mentioned opportunity content a couple of times. I kind of want to just hone in on that for a second and solidify what you mean when you say that for people. How do you define opportunity content and what role does it play in your overall content strategy? A massive. I almost always start my launches with opportunity content. Opportunity content to me is content where you really show the end result of whatever it is that you're selling. And it very much relates to your offer messaging. I break messaging down into four components. And one of those components directly turns into opportunity content. Now, when you're selling coaching, for example, or a course, you don't usually have a visible transformation unless you're like a weight loss coach. So you can say like before, after, before, after, and then that would be mm-hmm. essentially the opportunity. I mean, I think Kayla, it seems, built her entire business just on before and after pictures and her yeah. own body. Right. So it was like, pure opportunity. She never even had to provide anything else. She never had to explain her method. She just was like, there you go. Look at all these women who have lost weight and are now like fit and ripped and in this incredible community. And it's all fun and games and we're all going to be skinny and happy together. So (laughs) that was the opportunity of her business, (laughs) right? That is the key message of like her offers. That, that, that was all it was. So it's this perspective on like opportunity. Opportunity is in my business, for example, showing you that you can have 7,000 followers and you can have a 100K month business. Opportunity, if you were, let's say you sell something that is intangible, like self-love and intuitive eating and so on, then like how do you portray something like self-love? You can only do that through storytelling. There is no other way. Your story becomes like the test drive. The more people can envision it, only then they can truly understand it. Like if I tell you self-love and ask you to envision that, your mind just draws a blank, right? If I tell you the word sour, your mind just goes blank. But if I tell you, okay, imagine you're putting this like beautiful, ripe Italian lemon on your cutting board. It's big, it's juicy, you can already smell it. And then your blade goes right through the middle and like this juicy lemon juice, it's like running all across your cutting board. You're probably salivating because I made you envision what that looks like and what that feels like and the smell that goes to your nose and you're like, ah, it's going to be the best lemonade of my life. Right. So you're probably sitting there being like, oh, I really want lemonade. The same thing we have to do. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I miss about the U.S. is homemade lemonade. Oh, it's so good. Do you not have have homemade lemonade in Germany? No. (laughs) Lemonade in Germany means Sprite. No way. Oh, that's so interesting. Misery, devastation, heartbreak. I'm telling you (laughs) all of the things. Oh my goodness. So I have a question for you because <laughs> I I 100% agree with you. Storytelling is everything. It is the crux of getting people to be able to see themselves in your story and the story of what you're doing and the journey that you want to take them on. But I hear this all the time and I'm sure that you've encountered this with clients and students as well where people just have this mental block around the concept of storytelling and so many people will immediately write themselves off as I'm not a good storyteller or I don't understand like how 
to tell a story or what that even means. And I think we have this vision in our minds of telling a story is this really intricate, difficult thing that only a few people are blessed with the ability to to tell engaging stories. So I'm curious how you help people reframe that, or do you have any tips for how to think about storytelling when it comes to our business that we can pass along to listeners? Yeah, I have one little method that I teach in my caption program, and it's the set method. Situation, emotion, teaching. You don't need more to tell a story. So let's say you're you're teaching self-love, okay? And then you could highlight the opportunity with the following story. Instead of saying something like, oh, you're going to love yourself. It's going to be great. You're going to feel so good about yourself. You just tell a quick story. Imagine walking into a store, pulling out a dress in your exact size because you're no longer trying to fit into a certain number. You put it on, you turn around, you look in the mirror and you think, damn, I look good and I actually mean it. Yeah. That's what self-love would look and feel like, situation and emotion. And then teaching can be like, this is what self-love actually looks and feels like. And if you're tired of trying to squish yourself into clothing that's uncomfortable and doesn't fit you, and in order to like fit this mental image of you're only good enough if you fit into that size, and if you want to just like look in the mirror and think, wow, I'm an amazing woman and that's how much I love myself, join me in self-love confidence super program. It's six weeks and $3,000 and whatever. Like then you can follow that up with like a quick like one slide pitch of like here are the necessary offer details. That slide is your price tag, okay? But the storytelling is the changing room where someone would try on so to speak your your offer, your product, your clothes, the way we try on a dress or a pair of jeans in a store, but that we can see, we can we can put it on, we can say, oh yeah, this fits me, this suits me, this looks great. With coaching, your story is what happens in the fitting group. They try it on, they envision it, they're like, okay, yeah, I get it, this looks good, I would love to have that, versus just a price tag. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I love calling that slide with like the details and the price, literally the price tag. And then the story, the changing room with the understanding that the whole point of that is for, like you said, so they can envision it, they can see it on. And how can they see it on themselves if we don't tell a story where they get to envision themselves as yeah. the center of the story, as the person in the story? So is this then the approach that you use when you go to talk about your offer on your stories, when you go to sell, is this step one, what is my story? And do you outline that process? No, actually, I have reached a point where this is all so embodied that I usually don't even know (laughs) what I'm going to talk about when I pick up my phone. What I teach in my business, it is so much part of my life. Like my life is so reflected in everything that I do and this is where where we would want to be, right? If you're a weight loss coach, you should be like sleeping, eating, breathing, nutrition and health like in your life. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but it means that, for example, if you say go on quote unquote a binge or something like you have an episode of emotional eating, that's fine. You just know what to do about it. And then you can teach from that angle of like, oh, this is what happened, right? So this is what embodied means. It doesn't mean perfect. It just means it's integrated in your life to the point where you have mastered all of the skills and can apply them to yourself. And in that case, you just literally can pick up your phone and turn on the camera and hold it onto your life. And you don't have to think about content every second that I'm living and breathing. I'm like, that's content. (laughs) Like I can just turn on the camera and start talking. So I completely understand and and get what you mean where it's like every single moment can be content becomes and especially as you become more embodied in what you coach, it becomes a really natural thing. But what advice do you have for somebody who's maybe at the beginning? And I want to tie this into a post that I saw that you made recently, which was around the idea that you don't need testimonials to be able to sell what you do. And then you, of course, had the proof in the pudding of how much you've been able to sell of new offers that didn't have testimonials yet. So for somebody who maybe is in the earlier stages, they don't have all just overwhelming proof in the pudding where they can just point to and say, see here, this is how this works for my clients. How do we get started in this? How do we start to pull people into the opportunity with us and think about selling if we don't have those testimonials ready? Yeah. 
So pretty much exactly what I was talking about before, you don't need to have proof in the pudding with clients, but you should have embodied what you're going to teach. I don't know anything about makeup. I don't know anything about like hairstyling. I am so happy. I'm finally figuring that like in the slightest bit, I'm not going to start selling makeup consultations because I don't know enough about it. So if you're getting in your head, to me, there are only really two reasons that I've observed with clients. Either it is not embodied and then maybe you are indeed not fully ready to sell yet. Maybe there is a phase of mastery that still needs to happen. Or you are struggling with marketing and overthinking things because there is insecurity and because the reality of like, yeah, I have mastered that does not match your inner monologue where you're still telling yourself, well, I'm crap. I'm not as good as other people. I could always do better. This isn't good enough. And when you have this discrepancy between your self-image and the actual reality, then it's very hard to objectively talk about the reality even, let alone passionately talk about the reality that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and I'm so excited to sell this. Because your inner monologue and your self-image aren't up to par And it's going to be very, very hard to sell anything that goes against your beliefs and especially against your self-belief. So in that case, I would say get yourself like a coach to actually work out your self-image and your confidence issues because marketing doesn't suck. It only sucks when it, because it shines a light on your inner monologue and that's extremely uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable to go out there and say, this is really great when internally you're believing that, oh my God, why would you hire me when you could hire someone else? This is probably not as good as as her program or she's so much better. Did I even do my best? The reason why I can show up my programs for, from the rooftops is because I've cleaned up that self-image and that inner monologue. I'm no longer telling myself I'm not good enough. Yes. Uh, are you guys seeing why I love Virginia so much? There was so much wisdom in that that little mic drop moment there. And this is really where the mindset and the energetics do meet the strategy. Are. I mean, I think how we feel about what we're doing and how we feel about ourselves and our worthiness to sell it will really undercut the best of strategy if it is there and we don't really believe in it. So I love that we took a moment to jam on that there because it is it's so true so thank you for your wisdom around that little bit of mindset talk for us as well okay one other thing I have that I really want to ask you about again a great post that you made that kind of made me chuckle that is a conversation I'm so excited to see brought to the online space is this idea that and I think your words were it's great that you sold that without a sales page but that's not a badge of honor and then you went into why. And I love this because it is it is a debate that comes up or it is a conversation or a dialogue that you'll see in the online space of people saying, I didn't need a sales page to sell this. You don't need a sales page to sell this. Just hop on your stories and sell and post a checkout link. And while there's nothing wrong with that, you absolutely can, you had a different perspective or brought another perspective to it that I would love to hear you jam on for a little bit here if you don't mind sharing. I mean, I see this regularly where, and and this definitely contributed to my fear of ads where people, I, I was scared people wouldn't take me seriously anymore if I started using ads as an organic marketer. But yeah, people say a lot of things online like, oh, I didn't need a complicated sales page. I didn't need this or that to sell. You know, I'm sorry. I'm here to bring my knowledge out into the world and also get paid really well for it. And I'm going to choose the path of least resistance. And if and the numbers don't lie, if I add a sales page to this thing and it sells 3% more, well, at 100K a month, that's an extra $33,000 a year or $36,000 a year. Like, I'm going to take that money. That's free money for the fact that I will sit down for one hour, fill in my own template. It doesn't take me, I mean, you saw me spit out messaging, like that works very quickly, but you don't need to be this good. You just need a great structure and then two, three, maybe four hours and you're done. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take a lot of time. You just need to make sure and your sales page, things are in the right order. 
Like I would never lead with the price. I would always lead with the story. I appeal to all different types of buyers. There's some people who will buy just based off your storytelling and that's fine because they're going to be the ones who will buy in pre-sale on your stories when you have one pitch, one link and no details just based off your offer pitch. They're going to be like, yeah, pitch. Yeah, fine. That's great. I'll take that. That's the buyer I am. Like, I don't even need to offer details. Like, I don't, I never know. Is there even calls included? Is this live? Is this a replay? I don't, I don't care. I'm very similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's other people who maybe feel more insecure about their decision making and they really want to have all of the details. They will still buy off your story though, but they will need all the details so that they can then rationalize their decision because that's what gives them safety, right? So you need a storytelling component. You need different parts of the storytelling. You need also an informational part. You want to be handling objections because the thing is on your Instagram stories, you can handle objections as they arise. You can just hop on one more time, talk about it one more time. On your sales page, all of that has to be there the very second someone goes on it. So There's no room for iteration or changing things or shifting the messaging as you go. You just have to get it right. I mean, I use my own template too because like it just works and it converts and it's what we run our ads with. It doesn't have to be complicated. If I had to pick design versus copy, what is more important? I would always pick great copy over beautiful design. Because honestly, like design doesn't matter by far as much. Just ask all the people who are selling successfully on ClickFunnels. It's ugly as hell. I was just going to say that. It's so ugly, but it converts so well. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But only if they fill those words, like only if they fill those ClickFunnels with like good copywriting. So absolutely. Again, either they invested in this skill or they are in a course that teaches that or they outsourced it. Very few people have this natural neck. I think what's missing from that conversation of do you need the sales page or not is the acknowledgement that what goes on the sales page, if it's not there, and again, we're talking about if we're following a proven order for what goes on the page and in, in what order, a proven system for selling. If it's not there, that needs to be replaced by you actively selling on your stories, which can be done. Like you said, you can handle objections on your stories that can also be done on your sales page. If you're not actively doing it, you are potentially missing opportunities. If people are there on a day where you're not actively selling and they want to buy from you, what's filling in that gap? Well, that's where a sales page comes in and becomes so important, especially at the stage that you are at where you are funneling what is more or less cold to warm traffic from ads, people who just found you potentially for the first time to a sales page, they don't have all of the stories that you've posted in the past in their brain. They don't have all of that backstory on you. So it needs to be on the sales page. And so while it's true, you don't need one to sell because like we're saying, there's so much power in Instagram stories. When you want to sell without having to actively be on your stories at every single moment, it's there to fill in that effort, that active effort that you would be putting otherwise. So I love your insights on this. Yeah. So the way I look at this is there is a time and a space for selling on your stories only. And there's a time and a space for selling on your sales page. If I'm out there throwing out a masterclass, like the 10K in 48 hours, like that was so quick. I was like, I announced it. And I think the next day or the day after or something, I sold it. It was so fast. Then I need speed. I don't need a sales page. What I need is like validate, will this even sell? I rarely have offers where I even ask that question still, but like I'm going for speed you know, and that's not the time to sit down for two hours or more to like write your sales page and then give it off to a designer or fill it in the design template. But when I have a program that I have run 150,000 times, I'm going to make my life easy. Again, I'm choosing the path of least resistance here. And for me, that is, I don't want to be handling questions in the DMs. Literally, when someone asks me a question in the DMs, I either screenshot that and discuss that on my stories with a link to the sales page, or I share a screenshot of the sales page FAQ to my stories, or I just like flat out send them the link. And I'm like asking, do you mind if I just send you the link to the sales page? Because that should answer all of your questions. And usually people are like, oh, yeah, that's great. So I have all of my sales pages saved as like a reply. 
And oh, that way perfect. it's very simple. <laughs> oh, I love that you made that distinction with speed and how that plays into the equation when you're turning something around quick because it is it is different. And so I'm glad that we took a moment to touch on that. But I just love overall how simple this all becomes when you have these pieces in play and you spend time getting the messaging right and figuring out how something sells and the little workarounds that you added into of saved replies, like that is such a good one to have ready to go, locked and loaded where the sales page is ready to send off. You're so smart, my love. You are so smart. <laughs> and I'm I so glad everybody like is getting so hard. <laughs> hey, I don't either. I love it. So you have mentioned so many good resources that you have created. Is there anything that you should be directing all of our attention to now that you are releasing? And in addition to that, where can people go to connect with you and find all these amazing products that you've created to make their selling, their copywriting, and their lives easier? Yeah. So you can always find me. The best place to find me is on Instagram at Virginia underscore DSCs. And I also have a podcast called the Conan Lounge Podcast. And Conan Lounge is my brand to make content and sales the easiest part of your business. So there's like a whole bunch of different uh, courses, resources, and so on. Because we talked so much about sales pages, I have my sales page magic template. That's the copywriting template. It's $37. Like, as I said, like making content and sales the easiest part of your business. And I'm really excited because we just launched matching sales page designs as well. So it's for Show It and Kajabi where they match exactly the structure and the outline of the magic copy template. So you just upload that thing, replace the images, and it looks so pretty. And you don't even have to think. You just go copy, paste, and you're done. That is so smart. (sighs) Right? One of my clients reached out. She was like, oh, my God, but my designer went three and a half K to, like, build my, like, sales page on WordPress. I'm like... No. Well, we are about to launch this, but you would have to change to show it. I personally prefer show it, but I then too. I can give you that for free. And she was like, well, I definitely don't want to be spending three and a half K for one sales page. So, and wow. I can reuse this. I'm like, yep. So now she just like completely changed her entire business to show it because That's of it. Awesome. And she whipped up her own sales page in, I think like, she got access in the morning and in the afternoon she sent me the finished sales page. Wow. Like it was so fast. That is so quick. If anybody has ever tried to build a sales page on their own and if, or if you haven't, I should say it can take a long time, like multiple days. If you are trying to piece together information from maybe a copy template that you have, where it's like, here's what you put in and what order. But then like Virginia is saying, you find a template that you want to use for the actual design, but the sections don't line up with the copy that you just wrote. It can take some time. So this is a really smart product. I swear that almost compromised my marriage like beforehand. (laughs) My husband's a software engineer. So usually he had to be the tech support in the beginning phases of my business. And I cannot tell you, I did not have the emotional intelligence to work with my husband who is a software, like as a tech person and me, I'm like, can you move this by one pixel? He's like, you're kidding me. Right. And I'm like, no, (laughs) but I see pixels. I'm a designer. Like I went to design school. I cannot. And yeah, it was. <laughs> we had a lot oh of- my gosh, it's so funny. I can't imagine working with my partner. Like he is a personal trainer, and so sometimes he'll train me, and even that just causes fights. And I'm like, this isn't even my business. I can't imagine if we were working together on that. <laughs> that becomes a really expensive uh, sales page if you pay three and a half k for a designer and then twenty k for a couple therapy. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. <laughs> No kidding. So thank goodness for your templates. I will say that. All right, you guys, this has been such an amazing episode. Please go find Virginia on Instagram. Please thank her for her time and her wisdom on the show. Let her know what you've loved about everything that she shared. Check her out. Check out all of her amazing products. Virginia, thank you so much. This was such a fantastic episode and I'm so glad that we got to chat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. 
Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.